Well, my name is Derek, and I want to welcome all of you guys, and I want to welcome those of you who are with us online. Um, I got to tell you, if you like shocking stories, and who doesn't like a shocking story in church? Because you know nobody wants to fall asleep in the middle of a sermon, right? So um, you, you had to love last week's message. Uh, Pastor John took us halfway through the story of Jesus and the woman at the well. And what was so shocking about the story is that not only is this Jewish rabbi talking to a woman, which you wouldn't do, but he's talking to a Samaritan woman. And as a Jewish person, you would never talk to a Samaritan. But this woman is also, uh, she's led quite a life. I mean, she's, she's a pretty immoral person according to all of her town and community. And so it is quite shocking that Jesus is, is having this conversation with her. And what's further shocking is that as she starts to dialogue with Jesus, she finds out that he knows all sorts of things about her, that there's no way that he could possibly know if he was just a normal human being. And so that's where we pick up the story today, the second half of it, in John chapter 4, starting in verse 27. John writes, just then, his disciples returned. So his disciples have been out trying to find food. It was noontime, they were hungry, so they've come back from finding food. And it says that they were surprised to find Jesus talking with a woman. But nobody asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? I guess by this point, they'd just known better than to ask those sorts of questions. It says, verse 28, Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, verse 31, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? Now, you got to love the disciples. I mean, this is classic Jesus and his disciples right here. Jesus is always saying something and the disciples are always on the surface, right? And Jesus is always like three levels deeper than his disciples. They're just like, well, we don't see any food. I mean, there's no traces of any leftovers here. That woman, she didn't have any food. Like, where does he get the food? Where's the food? While this is going on, Jesus says, verse 34, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Now that's deep right there. What Jesus is saying is, guys, I'm not talking about food you put in your mouth. I'm talking about a different kind of food altogether. Have you ever been so focused on something that you weren't even hungry? Like you didn't even realize you had any physical needs because you were just a part of something bigger than yourself? For me, I'm constantly thinking about food. I don't know about you guys. Uh, in fact, normally I'm, I'm not hungry at all on, on Sundays. I can go 8, 10, 12 hours without eating because uh, I just absolutely love Sundays and uh, just is, is my favorite day of the week. But, but all this talk about food today, I'm hungry right now, okay? I'm hungry. So I, I'm kind of known as the guy around the office. I'm always eating. I'm always like trolling for food. And, um, but, but what Jesus is getting at is like when you are so focused, and we've had a time like this, haven't we? You're so focused on something, you didn't even realize you were hungry. There's a different kind of food at work that's satisfying you. Jesus continues, because I guess the disciples really needed to hear a little bit more about this before they understood what he was talking about. So verse 35, he says to them, don't, don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, 
Open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. So I, I think this is fun about Jesus because he's like, all right, you guys are so obsessed with food. We'll keep the food theme going. We'll talk about fields and a harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you haven't worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Now, when Jesus is talking about this harvest, and he's, he's talking about these fields, is he talking about actual food that you literally put in your mouth? Is that what he's talking about? No, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about a harvest of people. What he's talking about is people's lives being impacted. That's this different kind of food that is sustaining Jesus. And then in verse 38, which we just read, where he says, others have done the hard work and you've reaped the benefits of their labor. This hard work that he's referring to is the work that has been done by all of the leaders of God's people. People like prophets like Moses and Elijah. It's People like John the Baptist, and Jesus is even speaking really about himself here. But there's someone else who's also done the hard work. And that is the woman at the well. Check out the next verse, verse 39. John writes, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him, in Jesus, because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. Now, you may be thinking, well, what kind of hard work did she do, right? She didn't do much of anything. Well, let me remind you, the very fact that this woman is having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with Jesus at noontime at a well in Samaria is because this is a woman who's been completely ostracized from her community. She is an outcast. She could not go to the well when others would go in the cool of the day. She had to go in the heat of the day. And so what you have to realize is she goes back to this town and she's going back to a town of people that they look down on her, they've judged her, they shut her out and they don't respect her at all. And check this out. Simply by her just sharing what happened in this conversation with Jesus, many people in that town who didn't have any respect for her at all came to believe in Jesus as the Son of God. That's powerful, you guys. This, this is a great reminder that we should never underestimate the power of our testimony. Now, I don't want you to be intimidated by that word testimony. Sometimes we hear the word testimony and immediately we think, oh man, that's when you share your faith with somebody. That is when, you know, you've got a bunch of Bible verses prepared and what you're trying to do is you're trying to convince somebody about the existence of God and proofs for the divinity of Jesus Christ. You know, this testimony has got to be, got to be all buttoned up and thought out and all that stuff. No, that's not a testimony, you guys. You know what that is? That's called Christian apologetics. And let me tell you something. In our day and age, Christian apologetics is not something most people want to have anything to do with. They're not receptive to it at all. So let me try and remind you of what a testimony is. It's just like this woman's story. It is simply the story of what God has done in your life. 
That's what a testimony is. It is simply the story of what God has done in your life. You don't have to have a bunch of Bible verses in there, a bunch of proofs in there. It, it can be as simple as for this woman. What did she do? She just said, hey guys, come here about a guy that just told me everything about me. That's, it's that simple. It could be as simple as just an answer to prayer that, that you know, cannot be explained by any good reason other than God intervened in your life. It could be as simple as just saying, you know, ever since I've been going to this church and I've been really trying to listen and apply the teachings of Jesus, I can't fully explain it. And I don't have it all figured out, but you know what? Like, I just am experiencing a lot more peace. I mean, things are just going a little bit better in my life. That's a testimony. That's powerful. You know, my favorite part of this woman's testimony in the story is the words where she says, could this be the Messiah? I love that. You know why? Because she is, she's not saying, come, this is the Messiah. Okay, let me prove to you. No, no. She's just saying, I'm not even sure. I don't even fully have it figured out. But I'm wondering, could this be? Now that is a powerful testimony. You know why? Because it's authentic. It's genuine. And in today's world, that speaks louder than any Christian apologetics. In fact, Never has a testimony been more powerful than right now. And I'll prove it to you. Because, you know, when you go to make a decision, when you go to purchase something, when you go to figure out how you're going to spend your time or do an activity, you don't, you don't shop and make decisions by brand anymore, do you? I mean, sometimes you do. Sometimes you do. But where we now go to make our decisions is we go, to Yelp, we go to TripAdvisor, and we go to Amazon.com, don't we? You know this because you've been standing in a store sometime looking at products, and you actually went on Amazon on your phone to look at the reviews. Now, what ultimately, when you're looking for how many stars something got, what ultimately are you looking at? What are you evaluating in that moment? You are evaluating testimonies, aren't you? Testimonials of people who've experienced that product. That is, that's how we operate. That, th this is such a powerful concept and people have never been so receptive to the power of testimony, to the power of story as today. So here's what I want to ask you. Are you sharing the story of what God is doing in your life? Never have people been so receptive to it as they are today. And yet there's often a hesitation with us because we feel like it's got to be perfect instead of, this guy just told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Boom. There's a testimony. So I encourage you. How are you sharing it? Find those opportunities to share what God is doing in your life. So that's what the woman did. The town comes out to meet Jesus. In verse 40, it says, So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we've heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the savior of the world. So you got to picture the scene, you guys. I mean, first of all, a whole bunch of people in this town who couldn't stand this woman come to faith in Jesus just because of her story. That's incredible. And then many more come to faith after spending time with Jesus. And so 
This whole town is swept up in this Jesus movement. And many, many of them come to be followers of Jesus. And what's so fascinating to me is that all of this takes place. This whole transformation in this town occurs because of just five words in this story. Five words that we read to start the service. Back in verse 28. Then, leaving her water jar. This woman has come to the well to get water. She's encountered Jesus. It's been unbelievable. And it says, then, leaving her water jar, she goes back to the town. I can't help but wonder what those disciples, you know, the disciples are always a little, a little bit slow, always just a little bit, uh, you know, grasping for, for what's happening. I, I just can't help but pick on them a little bit and wonder what they were thinking here. So the woman has come to the well for one purpose and she's left her water jar at the well. They see that. And I, I bet they were going, what in the world was that woman thinking? What's she doing? Well, they were about to find out what she was doing because just a few minutes later, this whole town of people, they see coming toward Jesus. And you got to remember, they are Jewish and this town is full of Samaritan people. So they see these Samaritan people coming at them. And so just remember that Samaritans were despised by Jews. Samaritans felt like outcasts. Samaritans were, were filled with shame, were, were filled with bitterness and animosity and resentment towards the Jewish people. So here's this town coming with all this baggage. And you know what the disciples got to see? Yeah, they saw a, a jar laying down by that well, but they also saw a town completely transformed by the love of God. They saw a town of people become followers of Jesus Christ and live their lives for a whole different purpose. All because this woman was willing to leave her water jar. Now, I don't know about you, but I am really glad that we live in a time and a place where we don't have to go out and get water every day and fill a water jar. How about you? You guys pretty happy about that? The reality is, we all still have a water jar. We don't fill it with water, but we have responsibilities in this life, right? I mean, you got bills to pay. We got, we got money we've got to make. There's certain basic necessities that we have to take care of day in and day out. I mean, food, shelter, clothing. I mean, these are just the practical realities. But what is such a powerful reminder in this story, and this is really what Jesus is getting at with his disciples here, is look, yes, yes, you got to fill your jar. Yes, it's really important. It's, it's, it's vital. But it's not the most important thing in this life. That's what this story is about. There's something far more important than filling our jar. So I want you to just imagine with me for a second, if you would. I want you to imagine that you're at the end of your life, okay? You've lived a wonderful life. You're deep into old age. And now you realize that the end is near. Time is short. 
You're bedridden at this point, but you're at peace, okay? You're laying in your bed, and you know you don't have much time left, okay? Can you try and imagine that with me for a second? You're at the end of your life, okay? What are you thinking about? At the end of your life, what are you thinking about? Is anybody thinking about a jar? Anybody thinking about those bills that you have to pay? Anybody thinking about those basic necessities and responsibilities? Anybody thinking about, man, I wish I just could have put a little bit more into my jar. I wish I could have accumulated a little bit more stuff. The reality is at the end of our life, when everything is brought into the clearest perspective, there is no jar, is there? Not at all. Because you see, when we are lying in our deathbeds, we're not going to care at all about a jar. What we will care about is having people around us that we care about and that we love, right? That's what we're going to want. People. At the end of our life, you know what's going to be on our minds as we look back? It's nothing to do with putting anything in this. But what we will be thinking about is people who impacted us. People who made a difference in our lives and people we impacted. That's what we're going to be thinking about. Not a jar. I shared earlier that uh, I love Sundays, man. Sundays are my favorite day of the week. And um, the reason that I love Sundays so much, the reason that I left corporate America, and left the nonprofit world to come work for the church is because Every single Sunday, I get a front row seat to see what God is doing in the lives of people here at Grace. I get to see people transformed by the love of God, and I can't get enough of it. In my 17 years here at Grace Community Church, I have literally seen hundreds of people come to faith in Jesus. I've seen hundreds of people who've come to know that there is a God who loves them. There is a God who has an incredible plan for them. And begin to follow Jesus Christ. I've seen addictions broken. I've seen marriages restored. I've seen uh, people whose lives were riddled with anxiety and anger and all sorts of different things that were going on, filled with the love and the peace of God. And I've had the privilege of, of, of getting emails. One of, my, one of my favorite things is when people just, just email me stories, their testimonies of, of what God is doing through our church. And I, in fact, I just got one a, a couple of days ago, and I, I want to read it to you because it's really cool. This is from, from Kelly. Kelly writes, When I started coming to Grace, I was spinning in my own orbit, consumed with working completing an intense doctoral program and being a wife and a mom. I was convinced I didn't have time for more engagement than my irregular church attendance. My husband became more involved at Grace than I was a witness and beneficiary for how it was changing his life. I saw an ad one Sunday for joining the setup team. I was intrigued by the physicality of it and the fulfillment in getting things done. A few years later, Serving and being in community at Grace has become the most important rhythm in my family's life. My kids serve alongside me every week, and we have come to know the most wonderful people. God knew what I needed all along, and instead of me withdrawing from community when I needed it most, 
He pulled me in and it has radically changed my life perspective. I feel like I'm a more thoughtful person and have become more love-centered. By knowing that God loves me unconditionally, it has changed the way I treat and love others. I am still very much a work in progress, and I am so thankful I have my Grace family to support my journey. Now, you see why I love my job? It's, it's awesome. Now, if you're sitting here going, well, Derek, that's so great for you. I'm so glad that you love your job, you know, and it must be wonderful to be one of the pastors here because, you know, you guys get to, you know, be part of this impacting what people's happening, you know, what God is doing in people's lives. And I just want to say that if that's kind of where your mind goes, that it's like, oh man, it's those pastors, you know, can I just share something with you? Did you know that when someone comes to grace for the very first time, they will decide whether they're coming back to this church in the first seven minutes. Seven minutes. That's what the, the research has found. When you go to church for the first time, in the first seven minutes, you're going to make your decision. It'll be confirmed through the rest of the time. But really, you've already made your mind up in the first seven minutes. Do you know what happens in the first seven minutes of a church service? Not one word of a sermon. Not one. See, in the first seven minutes, a new person, they don't hear a pastor share a sermon. They see the smiling faces of a whole team of people who, just like that woman at the well, have decided that they were going to leave behind their water jar. They were going to sacrifice a little sleep. They were going to sacrifice a little of their extra free time on a weekend. And I know that's precious here in D.C. And they were going to make sure that all of those new folks saw smiling faces were warmly welcomed. When that new person comes that first seven minutes, if they've got kids, they get to meet the smiling faces of our Grace Kids check-in team. And they get to meet all of our uh, Grace Kids and Grace Youth leaders who make sure that, that those families and those kids know, man, this is going to be a blast. You're in great hands here. In those first seven minutes, they walk into our auditoriums where a whole team of people have decided it was worth leaving behind their water jars to come in early and help create an experience where there would be sacred space in this room for people to be able to connect with God. And of course, none of that seven minutes would even be possible in the first place if it wasn't for a whole team of people who'd left behind their water jars and gotten up really early to help transform a school into a church service and then put it all back together again at the end. So, just in case you're thinking, oh man, I hope that sermon's really good today. Boy, I hope the pastor's bringing it today. Okay? That's not actually where it happens. Now, don't get me wrong. If the sermon's terrible, okay, they're out. All right, so I mean, it's got to be halfway decent. But those first seven minutes are so critical. And, here, and let me tell you one other thing. In a, in a typical church, like in a kind of a standard church where uh, according to the data, you find that, that over 95% of the people who are in that church are 
just church people, okay? This is what they do. Church people, week in, week out. If, if that first timer going to that church doesn't, you know, doesn't enjoy their first seven minutes, they don't like the experience, they're going to another church the next week. No big deal. I mean, it's annoying, but no big deal. But at a church for people who don't go to church, it's a whole different deal. See, here at Grace, you may not know this, but we have so many people here who have either never been to church in their entire life, and this is literally their first church experience, or they haven't been to church since they were a kid, or they've had a horrible church experience or a horrible experience with someone, you know, who maybe was, I don't know, I don't know what was going on with them, but, but it's just, it's been a train wreck for them. And so we have so many people who are walking into a church for people who don't go to church. And literally, they're not going to another church if this doesn't work out. If this doesn't work out, you know what they say? You know, maybe this whole God thing isn't for me. You know, forget about faith. Who cares? I tried it. I gave it a shot. I thought I was hearing some spiritual thing, but maybe it was just that pizza I ate last night. Maybe it, wasn't. Maybe it just wasn't that good. I'm serious. I mean, you laugh, but I'm serious. Do you see how high the stakes are? I mean, some of you know this because... Today is your day. You're here for the first time. And in fact, you've, you've pretty much already made your mind out which, which way you're going from those first seven minutes. Assuming that I just don't completely crash the plane here in the next few. But And here's what I want you to grasp. If you think it's all about the sermon, you think it's all about the pastors. The only way that a new person ever gets to the place where they're ready to take a step with God, that they're ready to see some things in their life changed. It's because of a whole host of people who just like that woman at the well were willing to leave behind a water jar and create an experience where people could connect with God. I gotta tell you guys, if you are here and you are already part of it, if you are already serving, can I just say, on behalf of the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people here at Grace whose lives are being changed. Thank you. Thank you so much for being willing to leave your water jug and to serve here at Grace because you are being used by God in a mighty way to make a difference. I think that's worth clapping for. We can give, we can give all these guys a hand. That's awesome. But I want to say this. Maybe you've been coming to Grace for a little while and, uh, and you really like this church. You know, you would consider this your church. But you haven't yet kind of figured out how to jump in and get more involved and, and, and start serving. Today is your day. Today's your day. And I can't think of a more perfect day than today to jump in. You know why? Because today is the first Sunday in Lent. Did you guys know that? It's an awesome day. So Lent is the six weeks leading up to Easter where for the church, we really place a special emphasis and we place a special focus on, on trying to remember what Jesus has done for us. It leads up to, you know, Jesus' death and his resurrection and his incredible forgiveness. And, you know, a lot of times we give up chocolate. I've done that before, man. That's tough. I, I get that. I got, I got something even better you can do, Okay. What if you said, for this Lenten season, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave behind a little of my water jar on Sundays. 
I'm going to give up a few minutes of my time. I'm going to show up a little bit early so that someone could experience the power of God. I can't think of a better thrill. I can't think of anything more exciting, more fulfilling than that. Now, you may be like, hey, Derek, you know, you make a pretty good argument, but here's the thing, Derek. There's some people and they just love to serve, you know, and they're already serving. But service just isn't my thing, you know? Like, I do other things, but serving, eh, just not, you know, I, I contribute in other ways. And I get that, and, and, and that's totally cool, but could I just push back just a little bit just because I, I, I love you, and, I, and I, I really, honestly, I say this in love and I want the best for you. You gotta remember that we are created in the image of God, okay? We're created in God's image. What we know about God as revealed to us through Jesus Christ, when we look at the life and the ministry of Jesus, is Jesus reflects God the Father, and Jesus' entire life and his entire ministry was about serving. So what we know about God is that serving is at the very core of God's nature. We're in the middle of a series called Who Are You? Finding the true you. What I want to tell you is, as people made in the image of God, a God who serves, we fundamentally, in our DNA, at our core, we were created to serve. Now, you, you may have tried that before. You may have volunteered, served different places. You might have even tried to serve here at Grace somewhere. And it was just a train wreck. I mean, it didn't work. It, it, was, it was awkward. You, you just, I mean, it was just, it's, it's bad. Okay, and you're like, this is pointless. I'm gonna do other stuff. Serving's not my thing. Here's what I wanna encourage you with today. I think you just didn't find the right thing. You just didn't have the right opportunity that, that matched your interests and it matched your skill set. Because when you find that match, I am telling you, there is nothing like it. And in fact, we want to help you. We want to help you find that right opportunity. I'm going to ask Brian, uh, Brian, if you would uh, join me up here. Because, because we're just going to kind of practically talk for a second about what that looks like, at least here at Grace. So if you would, Brian, uh, help these good people out. Oh, yeah. And part of the reason why we're excited about this, as Derek mentioned, it changes lives, but it also changes your life as you get in contact with who God's created you to be. So we've got a, a nifty little form here that's in your bulletin, and I encourage you to take that out right now. If you don't have one of these forms, we have a couple people that have them. Love to pass them out, just throw your hand up. Encouraging everybody to pull one of these out, whether you've served before, maybe you've kind of disconnected, this is your chance to recommit or check it out again, maybe find a new spot. But... You'll see four main categories on here. First impressions is the first. That's a little bit of what Derek talked about with that first seven minutes. Yep. It's kind of the smiling face. The first people people come in contact with. It's a great place to join for a team. Uh, check that out. Behind the scenes. We change this school every Sunday into a church where people can experience God. Behind the scenes really get a lot of that stuff done. You don't have to be that smiling face out in, per, out in front of everybody. But it's a great place to connect and get things done. As Kelly mentioned, kind of the athletic piece kind of comes into that with the setup and breakdown. Just you're, you're active. Yeah, and plus, if you don't really like people at your core, 
Yeah. You know, you don't want to sign up for the first impressions team because that's where, you know, you love people. That's where you want to land. That's, you go behind the scenes. Yeah. All right. You've taught, you've admitted that. Oh yeah. yeah. I've admitted that before. You don't like people at all. I'm also an introvert. So, um, one thing I like about first impressions, if you're an introvert, you can smile and not have to say anything. That way you feel like a people person as an introvert, but you know, yeah. And fills all the edges. And in fact, you know, what's, what's great about that? Like, if you have no clue, we go through all four of these and you're like, I don't even know what, like being a greeter, right? You can hold, if you can hold a bulletin and hold a door and just say hi, like you can be a greeter. Yeah. It's, it's probably the, the least impact of anything here. So if you're confused about that, like that's a good one to check. Yes. Yeah. Um, we also have worship arts, uh, the Grace Band. You see some of them behind us right now. They're yeah. doing an excellent doing job. Very nice. Very uh, nice. We also have video lighting and audio under there. Uh, this is one question that's always asked. Do I have to know video lighting and audio? Not necessarily. Like we'll train you along the way. The worship band is different. Like if you can't play guitar, if you have no, no rhythm, we're not going to let you on. So we can't train you from scratch on that. But audio, video, and lighting, you're welcome to come whether you know anything or not. Um, And then grace and youth. It's kind of self-explanatory. You like kids, you're welcome. Um, Sign up for that. Get connected because you make a huge difference in the children's lives here at Grace if you like kids. Go ahead. And and I just want to say, some of you love kids and some of you just act like a kid all the time. You just constantly act like a kid. You know who you are. You need to get involved with Grace Kids and Grace Youth. I'm serious. You saw the slides from that retreat. I mean... It's just about being a kid. And and kids know who's for them, and they know who's on their level. And I'm serious. We need you. Those kids need you. Yes. It's very important. We don't throw you just into a classroom with a bunch of chaos. There's actually structure. You're in there with other people, so you're never flying solo on that. I encourage you to, to check one of those off. As Derek said, if you don't know which one to check, just put a question mark by first impressions. We'd love to help connect you with a team of people that can you can serve alongside of and kind of experience who God is. Yeah, and... And kind of on that note of just putting a question mark, um, you know, it, this can be kind of a scary moment. You know, I, I think about that woman at the well, right? And yeah, I mean, she left her jar and she started walking toward that town of people. You've got to think, guys, that she had, she, she had a moment where she was like, oh my goodness, I'm going towards this town of people who can't even stand me. She had to have moments where she was like, am I doing the right thing? I mean, you know, she had to be hesitating. I, I, I can't imagine that she wasn't. And you may have a moment with, with, with that form, you know, where you're looking at it and you're, you're kind of drawn to one of, these, one of these categories of teams, but there's, a, there's something in you going, yeah, but do I really have the time? I mean, it's DC, I'm totally maxed out, you know? Can, can I really do this? And I just want to tell you, we get that, you guys. We live in this city too. <laughs> Brian and I, we fully understand. And so th- the coolest thing about this is all you're doing is saying, I just... Can I just take a test drive? Can I just check it out? We, we work with your schedule. We, we totally get the, this idea of like commitment. We, we really do. And we want to make sure that, hey, if you can only make it work once every six weeks and yeah. you know, whatever, that's, that's cool. We, we just want you to feel a part of it. Church is so much better when, when you're a part of it. Yeah, and as Kelly said, like it's just changed everything for her. And we want that for you guys, whether it's once a month, once every six weeks. Whatever Just get is. connected. Yeah. And you'll get uh, kind of a glimpse of who God's created you to be. So drop this off. Uh, we'll have baskets in the back. We have a table out in the lobby. If you have questions, want to get connected there. Um, we're going to have Derek pray. And then after that, I'm going to ask you guys to stick around for just one more minute so we can give some direction. But Derek, you want to pray to close us out? Yeah, yeah. If you guys would join me, let's pray. Uh, God, we, uh, we just want to thank you for the great reminders that as important 
as our responsibilities in this life are, and they can be all-consuming sometimes, God, uh, thank you that there are more important things. There's, there's a different kind of food that can sustain us. And God, I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for all of the people here who have already left behind their water jar and are just helping all of us to experience you in new and life-changing ways. God, I want to lift up all of those who right now are kind of wrestling with taking a step, getting involved, what it means. I pray, God, that you would just bring reassurance right now. And I pray, God, that, that you would give everybody courage to just follow where they sense you're leading and that you would guide each and every person to that perfect opportunity that would truly be such a thrill in Christ's name. Amen.